This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. How many are ready to get out of this feasting mode into fasting? Oh, your enthusiasm is just so overwhelming. <laughs> I'm ready for it. My stomach's been telling me. This day is coming, and uh, it's, it's one of my favorite times, and then again, it's one of my unfavorite times at the same time, but it's always productive. It's always uh, a great time of God, and uh, I just want to share a little bit on it, and many of you know I've shared many times on prayer and fasting, got all kinds of series, and Stuff So I, I thought I'd put the points at the beginning. And number one, why did we start the year of a corporate fast? Number one, seeking God first. Setting the course for the year. You know, we do the first of the week we meet. We give the first portion of our increase. We should give the first of the year to God. And we, when we do that, we're setting the course for the entire year. We're saying, God, we're seeking you at the first, at the beginning of the year. Because we want you in every facet of our year. We want 2021 to be full of you. So uh, that's the reason that we do this. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we're putting him first. Seeking him first. And then all those things will be added into us that we have need of. And that those desires of our heart will be added to us. Number two, dethrone the fleshly appetites of this world. Everybody go, ooh. You know, Paul, it's kind of humorous. He talked about the God of this world being the, uh, the God of the belly. <laughs> Y'all don't know that verse, but it's in there. We want the things of this earth to grow dim and the things of God to get bright in our life. And it's like Pastor Sean was saying, we all have places where there's been dimness. We want him to light up our life. And by putting the flesh under, you become more sensitive to his voice. How many want to hear his voice, want to hear from him? Well, when you put the flesh to the side and say, flesh, I'm going to lay down this. And fasting doesn't have to be just food. Let me say, some people cannot fast food because of meds or supplements that they have to take. Or maybe you have a physical job and you have to have some strength there. So, but there's other things that you can do. Maybe you can skip one meal or two. Maybe you can put your phone up, get uh, no social media, no TV. There's all kinds of things that you can do that you can fast. And you take that time. Don't just say, I'm going to skip a meal and don't do anything during that time. That's when you seek God. It's, you're just on a diet if you're not putting God in place at those times. If you are going on a full fast, I'd say start slowly. Make sure you have plenty of liquids. 
Dr. Don Colbert is one I, I like, and he talks about uh, having some juice to give you strength. But it's always a, a wonderful time uh, with the Lord. Yeah, and I've seen great uh, things happen in, in, the, in the church and in my own personal life through fasting. In 1 John 2, 16, it says, For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Number three, to please God and receive his reward. Say, to please God, please God. and receive his reward. That's the why, say that's the why, I'm fasting and praying. When you have the whys, they tell us that's the strongest motivation when you have the why behind it. That's the why. And you're going to see in the message that it pleases God when we do this. And he rewards it. Now, he surprised me last night. I was in prayer, and he said, I want you to zero in on reward. I said, okay. I said, I, I know reward. I know Hebrews eleven six. it's impossible to please God without faith. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And he said, it's okay to seek the reward. I said, well, I'm, I know that. I'm, I, I think I know that. I must not know that. And, and he showed me there had been a limiting thing in me about his reward, like it was not spiritual. Well, I'm after the reward. And he showed me, he said, I want you to go after the reward. It makes me happy. It makes me smile. And I got to thinking about my own children when they went after a reward. They had a goal. They went after it. And then they, they got the prize. I don't go, well, you, you don't love me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm proud, right? That's the way he is. Now, I'm talking about having the right heart about it. But he said to go after the reward. And then he said, it's a message for the church to go after the reward. Well, I just, I'm not diligently seeking him. It's because you don't believe that there's a reward. But what he said, I will reward you. He's talking to me, but I'm going to reward the church. Go after the reward. How many want to go after the reward? I'm telling you, the reward of God is worth diligently seeking him. It's worth taking some time in prayer and fasting, setting aside some time to be with him. Turning off the TV, turning off the sports, turning off the social media, whatever it is that's pulling you, taking your time, setting aside and spend time with God. And don't just read the Bible and don't take any time to listen. Listen. He might have something to say to you. 
It's a, you know, communications to be both ways. So we need to listen to what he has to say. I mean, want to hear his voice. So that's the reasons that we, we start each year of corporate uh, fasting and corporate prayer. And like uh, we heard on Saturday mornings from 9 to 10, we're going to be praying. So let's, let's look at what the Word says. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, and this is Jesus, he, he's ministering. When you start in verse 6, he talks about uh, giving. And he, he says, don't be like the hypocrites because they give and they blow the trumpet in the street. And what are they doing? They're giving to be seen by others. They want man's approval. Oh, you're such a good person because you gave. And the word said, Jesus goes, and they have their reward. That's all the reward they get. This was their reward. I mean, no, that's fleeting and gone. But the reward of God's eternal. The reward of God will change everything about you. And then he talks about prayer. He said, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like these. They just babble on and on and on, repeating the same thing over and over and over because they were being heard by others. Oh, what a great prayer person they are. They have their reward. So then he comes down to this verse, verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to make look miserable and disheveled. So people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your faith, face, brush your teeth. There's no one who will notice that you're then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. That's from the New Living Translation. The King, New King James says, he will reward you openly. I want you to know the reward of God can be seen by others when it's on your life. So notice that Jesus didn't say, if you fast... He said, when you fast. Notice, you know, we would never, no Christian would say, I wonder if God wants me to pray and give. Let me see. But if you ask the same question, does God want me to fast? I wonder. No. Jesus put it in the same context. In fact, he said these are three principles of the Christian walk in life. It's to be a lifestyle of prayer and giving and fasting. Your flesh can go ahead and say, ouch. It is God's will for me to pray and fast. And that's what Jesus is, is telling us, that we are to pray and to fast. But it produces rewards. God sees your prayer and your fasting, and he's promised to reward you. 
That should be great motivation for each and every one of us right there. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, Then the disciples John came to him, saying, Why do, do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they will fast. Now think about this. The disciples of John come to him and say, we fast. So the Pharisees fast often. Your disciples aren't fasting. And Jesus is saying, as long as the bridegroom is here, why would they mourn or, or fast? You'll find mourning and fasting many times are interchanged. Why would they? Because I'm here. But there's coming a time when I will leave the earth and then they will fast. Then they will fast. And I, I could just imagine the disciples of John say, we've been fasting often. You know, we have a problem, Jesus. We know it's your disciples. They just never fast. And then Jesus gives us explanation. If I'd been one of the disciples of John, I'm going, what? I've been fasting all the... Man, I'm hitting the first restaurant on the way home. Let's go eat. <laughs> Just some of my humor. Okay, never mind. Jesus was saying the change is coming. I'm leaving this earth. There's going to be a new covenant. I will not be here, but the Spirit of God will be here. And then... My children, my sons and daughters, they will fast. I have good news for you. There's no fasting in heaven. It's all feasting. On the earth, there's feast time and there's fast time. We just came out of feasting time. Anybody ready to leave feasting time? Three of us, okay. Let me give you some personal observations I've seen during our corporate fasting uh, together. I've seen that people who have never fasted before, there's a grace there when we all do it together. See, we, we fast in secret, but there's also, there was public fast or church fast. We fast together. You out there in your own personal lives, you don't have to go around looking miserable. You act like you're not fasting. But here it's okay. We're in this together. But there's a corporate grace or anointing that will flow through us when you make that commitment, when we agree together to do this. And I've seen where there's corporate breakthroughs, where one person gets free Others pop up and get free. It's like a ripple effect. And there will be this different theme. I remember one year there was a restored relationships. People who had not heard or spoken to their loved ones in years. And there was a breakthrough here. And then I start hearing testimony after testimony. Even not even in this church. It went outside that church that people in this church were connected to. And they had breakthroughs. Why? It was a corporate anointing on pleasing God, and that was some of the reward. Breakthroughs were happening. We've seen marriages restored, financial breakthroughs. 
Now we just, we're in the season of financial breakthroughs, if you haven't noticed. We're in that right now. I mean, you can, this is a great time to give because there is a anointing on giving. There's promotion in the house. So many of you got promotions, increase. I love that about Carlina. She's not looking for a job. They call her. But every, every uh, Sunday, I hear somebody will come up and tell me I got an increase. I got a promotion. This happened. This happened. That's God moving in our midst, our family. Seeing where there was people who had addictions and it was a theme. People were set free from drugs. Their kids were set free from addictions. Why? There's a corporate anointing. When we get together and we fast as a church, things happen. Breakthroughs happen. People got revelation of their purpose. So a personal fast, you keep secret. When you're out there, you're keeping it secret. I went overboard with that. I thought no one could know. And some people finally cornered me. I mean, at work and everything in the world. I got offers of every meal. It's just nuts. And it happened every year during fasting time. I'm going, where were you the rest of the year? Come on. I finally, I remember these guys that, you know, we were all Jesus lovers. We're listening together and they, they knew what was going on. And they're going out to eat. And I'm staying in the office. So, well, thank you, Jesus. Here comes my boss, and he has this load of food. I said, what? And he said, well, unexpected guest came up, one of the sales guys. He's taking me out to eat. Can you eat all this? And then the devil did it. There was banana pudding. <laughs> and he didn't know. I didn't want to tell him. I'm just going... You know, I just, um, no, thank you so much. Are you sure? What, are you okay? I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> but the, the Lord really delivered me from that and said, it's, it's okay if you have to. It wasn't your heart trying to make a scene. Sometimes you can't help it. Amen. But the public fast, it says, blow the trumpet in Zion. You find in Joel, blow the trumpet. That's what we're doing in the church. We're blowing the trumpet. We're calling for a solemn assembly, a prayer and fasting starting next January the 3rd, which is what day? Sunday. Sunday. Next Sunday for 21 days, we're calling and we're blowing the trumpet. That we're going to pray and fast and seek God first. At the beginning of the year. And watch what God will do. Hallelujah. Got me excited. I'm about ready to start now. But Okay. David spoke of fasting. And as humbling himself. Psalms 35, 13. I humble myself with fasting. James 4, 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. There's something about fasting that humbles you. 
you see the pull of the flesh in the world and, and there's this war and you, you pull away and you get with him and you find out how great he is, how glorious he is. Then you have humility and humility is what brings the favor or the grace of God flowing in our lives, being humble before him. When you study church history, every great Revival started with prayer and fasting. Even Tommy Barnett, when you read his story, how he started the Dream Center. I may have heard Dream Center. L.A. Dream Center. It was through a time of prayer and fasting. You can read all the, those that we look up to, the great men and women of God, and they were people of prayer and fasting. It puts us in position to receive. Fasting doesn't change God. It just puts us in position to receive what he's already done, what's already there for us. You're not going to change his mind. He's already, he's already paid the price for all of it at the cross, and he says yes and amen to all the promises. So he's not withholding from us. It's our wrong motives. It's our places of unbelief and, and doubt. It's our um, being passive in some areas that stops us from receiving from God. But it's not him. A father had a, um, a demon tormenting his son. There was a suicidal spirit. He was being cast into the fire and into the water. And he comes to the disciples of, of Jesus. And they could not help this, this father and this son. But Jesus comes down. He's coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, he took Peter, James, and John. They're coming down from the mountain. The other nine disciples are down trying to cast this evil spirit out of this, this boy. In Matthew 17, verse 14, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. It's one thing that I need to say. When Jesus came down off the Mount of Transfiguration, it wasn't just the disciples there and this father and son. There was a crowd. There's this multitude. And when you read it in the uh, other Gospels, it talks about the crowd was mocking they were arguing with the disciples they had done this before but this time it was different because there's all these voices all this these noises against what they were trying to do and when Jesus said oh faithless perverse generation he wasn't talking to the disciples he's talking to the crowd that was there He's telling them, 
how long am I going to bear with you? He, he had demonstrated who he was. They'd seen miracles, and yet they were still mocking. They were still coming against him when they came against his disciples. But see, the truth is, the disciples had been authorized to cast out spirits. Jesus had given them that authority. But they come to him because they're upset. Why didn't this work? Matthew 17, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. The disciples had some unbelief in them that they didn't know was there. And I submit to you that we have some unbelief in us we don't know is there. The disciples, this has worked before, it's not working. Why, why isn't this working? See, sometimes prayer needs fasting with it. Get the flesh out of the way in position to receive from God what he has to say. Notice, he didn't go, they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, why didn't this work? We, we couldn't do it. We don't understand what's going on. He said, come here, guys. Let's hold hands. The demon you came up against, he's so powerful. He's so big. He's the big one. This demon won't leave unless you pray and fast. No, he didn't do that. He said, it's your unbelief. He wasn't talking about the demon. He's talking about the unbelief in them. To get the unbelief out, you got to pray and fast. I don't have to pray and fast to cast the demon out. I have authority over it. But there might be some unbelief in me preventing me. And the way to get the unbelief out where I can walk in all that God has for me, I need to pray and fast. And that's what Jesus is telling them. What's amazing here, I mean, he says, then nothing is impossible to you. How did Jesus, Jesus had demonstrated this. You remember when he went into the wilderness and he defeated Satan himself through prayer and fasting? He was not acting as God, but acting as a man with a covenant with God filled with the Holy Spirit. This is before Satan is defeated and the Bible tells us he was brought to naught or zero. This is before he was defeated. Jesus defeated him, filled the Holy Spirit through prayer and fasting. I used to feel sorry for Jesus. Oh, he's getting tempted and all this. Forty days, Satan himself. And then one day the Lord told me, he said, don't feel sorry for him. He was at his strongest. That's what you mean. Prayer and fasting, you're at the strongest spiritually. Because the flesh is out of the way. Just throw that out there. 
for you to chew on <laughs> this afternoon. Nothing impossible. How do you take the limits off? How is there places that you're being hindered? Seem like you're just making progress? Prayer and fasting. Bring them up to the Lord. Maybe there's some places in you that need to change and you recognize it. Bring it up to the Lord. I need this to change. I don't desire to read your word. But Lord, I want to desire to read your word. And just lift your heart up to him. You know, he can give you a desire for his word. He said to ask. Nothing's impossible with God. I never heard of such thing. Ask. Just ask. We had a, a, a girl, she was in the youth ministry, and everybody's saying, I want to do this for God. It was, you know, testimony time. She goes, I want to want God with everything within my being. Everything stopped. Her heart came out. Do you know what? God answered that prayer. He will answer. Nothing's too hard for him. I've got wonderful testimony just the other day. It's working uh, a lady lives in Florida. Her seven-year-old son was saying things that uh, no seven-year-old should say. Pornography type stuff, just awful. And warning, admitted that he was having thoughts of killing his family, of getting a gun and shooting them. I talked to her and she said, all I can say is everything suddenly left and said, it's like it never happened. It's like he doesn't even remember saying those things. She said there was some kind of spirit there. And just a little tip, when it's a little child like that, you deal with the parents. The ones that have authority. You deal with the parents. I just dealt with the parents. They got, took care of some stuff. And next thing you know, authority is there. It blessed me. I know I hadn't. Okay. Jesus fasted. Maybe we need to fast. Isaiah 58, verse 6. It's just some promises of fasting. I think one time I counted, like, there's like 20 here. I'm just going to hit some fast. But verse 6. Is this not the fast I've chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? This is God's chosen fast. Fasting that produces real freedom. So we have a motive for fasting, our deliverance and others to be free. It says you'll break some yokes. Or does it say... Does it say some yokes or does it say every? Every. Say every. 
fasting engages the grace and power of God, every yoke broken. I like that. Maybe you have some yokes that need to be broken. Maybe you're not praying daily. Maybe you're not seeking God. I don't know. Maybe you feel like all hell's coming against you. And you need a breakthrough. You need some freedom. Prayer and fasting. It says lift the heavy burdens. Maybe you are heavy burdened through prayer and fasting. Lift the heavy burden. Verse 7 is not to share your bread with the hungry that you bring to your house the poor or cast down. You see the naked and you cover him. So we're to serve and to give. And you find through this whole thing, giving, praying, and fasting. Those three elements are all through this. A lot of people are hungry for the bread of life. Bring them into your house. How about bringing them into God's house? The God's family. And then it says, not hide yourself from your own flesh. That's the thing that you get alone with God, you get quiet, you're praying, you're fasting, and just listening, you recognize some things in you. And you just get honest with God. Say, God, I don't want this. I recognize this. I want to change. Yeah, I know you have the power to do it. And you set your will with his will. He changes you. You can't hide from it. These things are there. I mean, it used to be when it was prayer and fasting time, Ellen would just, it was bad. It was bad. Frustrating, just everything just, got to me the smell of food <laughs> so you get honest with God maybe there's some lukewarm places in life maybe you don't have a love for souls like you need to ask God for it God I want to have a love for souls so ask him just be honest with him don't hide your flesh Eight, then your light shall break forth like the morning. There's breakthroughs. You know, the sun comes up in the morning. It calls a greater force than the darkness comes on the scene. It drives out the darkness. Revelation comes into your life. Wherever you're overwhelmed, the light comes. Verse eight, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here am I. Healings. One year we had healing. There was a, a lady who uh, had a lump in her breast and the doctor wanted her to come back in and, and get checked. They wanted to see exactly where it was playing the surgery. And she had committed to 21 days of prayer and fasting. And she was, uh, I think, doing the Daniel fast. And she was believing God. And she said the lump hasn't gotten 
uh, any smaller, if anything, it's gotten larger. And said, we're just trusting God. And she was believing God. And so she goes in to get checked. And she said she feels the lump. And the nurse felt the lump. They're going to take the picture. And she said, as soon as they started taking pictures, the lump was gone. Well, the nurse and her got a little excited. And the doctor said, this is nothing but God. We have no explanation. Amen? There was a corporate anointing. A healing was flowing. But here's what happened after that. Other people with lumps in their body and, and women with lumps in their breast, even outside the church, we got reports. They were healed. This is a powerful thing we're about to do. The lump was gone. Fasting's good for your health. It's good for your spiritual health. I mean, you know, this nation needs prayer. We need to fast and pray for this nation. We want righteousness to reign in this nation and be a delightful land. Uh, we're aborting babies. We're killing babies. Abortion. We have trouble understanding that marriage is between a man and a woman. We're, we have all these things that are contrary to God's word. So what do we do? We pray. We walk in the love of God. And we see breakthroughs. We see light come. It says your righteousness will go before you. And that talks about favor. Uh, things are set up for you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. That's protection. Yeah, whatever. It's like Paul when he was in prison. Um, his, his nephew came and said, overheard some men saying that they were not going to eat. They were on fast until Paul was killed. So he told Paul. Paul goes and tells the captain, and the captain moved Paul. What happened? God had Paul's back. Protection. Psalms 91. Verse 9, then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. And we're talking about answered prayer. Fasting positions us to hear God's direction. Daniel read Jeremiah and found that Israel was being in captivity seven years. When his prayers were not answered, he prayed and fasted, and Gabriel came and spoke to him. Scripture says, you shall cry, and he will say, here am I. Fasting helps us hear the voice of God. The pastor and his wife were praying uh, at the first of the year. They were trying to have a baby. They had gone through everything they could uh, to have a baby, and, and nothing was working. And they committed to a time of prayer and fasting and to seek God's direction. Well, one night he has a dream and the Lord showed him there was a tumor that was in his wife that was blocking the pregnancy. And the Lord said, go have it removed and she will get pregnant and you'll have a child. Well, that's what they did and that's what happened. What happened? There was something about 
fasting, cutting off from the world that opened up where you could hear from God. That's the reason Kenneth Hagin fasted a lifestyle of fasting, where he, he won that channel open all the time. And just to finish now, if you take away the yoke from the midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness, we got to walk in love, not point the finger at anyone. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. Your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places, the ruined places. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations. Did you catch that? Your prayer and fasting is not for you alone. It's for your children and their children. Many generations are affected by your prayer and fasting. Wow. Let me give, tell you the truth. Your prayers affect your children and their children. You're affecting the next generation. Your giving does and your fasting does. Says you will raise up a foundation in God for them. You'll raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called repair of the breach to restore of streets to dwell in. In closing, 2 Timothy 2, verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter... He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they generate strife. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in the opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. A vessel of honor. You notice we choose to be a vessel of honor? We choose to cleanse ourselves. Fasting is a time of cleansing, humility, seeking God's face. Lord, is there anything in me that displeases you? Cleansing. You know, it doesn't, it, it actually talks about we're to humble ourselves before the Lord. It's our responsibility to humble ourselves. And that's really what we're doing. We're humbling ourselves before the Lord, seeking his face, his will, his plan for our lives. I don't know about you, but I want no lukewarmness in my life. I don't want to be half committed and half not. I want to be half in the world and half not. I want to be all in. All in. Walking in the peace of God and the love of God. And God's going to reward us. God's going to reward us. 
His love is being poured out through us. The very ones that are on social media, they're upsetting you. We're to reach. We're to walk in strength and love. We have the answer. We got him. Fears that have no place in our life. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Seek him with all your heart. And you know what he said? Jesus said, seek me and you'll find me. Seek me and you'll find me. Mm. And when you find me, I'll reward you. Because I love you. And I'm after you. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. We don't want to die having not lived. This is not a dress rehearsal. If you were to die, why would God let you into heaven? And so, well, I love God. A lot of people say they love God, but it's the wrong God. The people that flew into the Twin Towers said they love God, but it's the wrong God. Oh, I've done this, I've done that. I've taught Sunday school. I was a member of such and such church. Doesn't matter. The Bible says he must be the Lord and Savior of your life. If you're basing now anything else, you're not getting in. You're not on the way to heaven. Will you give your heart and give your life to him today? He loves you with an everlasting love, an unconditional love. He's pursuing you, but you must choose him. You must choose him. We're going to pray a prayer together. If you mean this from your heart, his arms are open wide to receive you into his family. Everyone say, dear God, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for coming for me and dying for me. I ask for new life, a fresh start in you. And I thank you that I'm now yours because you promised me. Those that call upon the Lord shall be saved. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone 
at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. I'm a singer.